I was asked to share a little bit about why I was excited about our 24-7 prayer weekend and why I felt the Feast of Trumpets and the Book of Nehemiah was so relevant to it. I have struggled as to how I can share this with you and make it real for today. I'm no great Bible scholar, but when the Lord impresses something on me, I start digging for treasure. Firstly, when the weekend for prayer was chosen in September, I had already been looking at God's appointed feasts in Leviticus 23. These were the feasts that God chose, and they have great relevance to Jewish history and God's hand on them as a people. They were also prophetic pointers to Jesus. For example, Jesus is the Passover lamb and the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. The Feast of Trumpets, or Rosh Hashanah, started nightfall of the Sunday of the weekend we did 24-7 prayer. And in Jewish tradition, it has several names and meanings. Yom Hadin, the Day of Judgment. Yom Sikaron, the Day of Remembrance. Yom Hamalek, the Coronation of the King. But the one that excited me most was Yom Teruhah which is the day of the awakening blast and, or resurrection. The Lord has been showing me a lot about the awakening of the church and about preparation. The book of Nehemiah has been involved in this, and in Nehemiah 8, verse 1, following the com- completion of the walls, Ezra brought the book of the law out and read to the people, This was the first day of the seventh month in which he did this, and that's the Feast of Trumpets. In Nehemiah 8, verse 8 to 12, they read the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them, this day day is holy to the Lord our God. God, do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the word of the Lord. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice foods and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, be still. For this day is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. You may say, what's this got to do with or relevance has it for us today? That was my question anyway. (laughs) This was an awakening, a resurrection It was a celebration and not a mourning. We need to be awake and prepared for whatever the Lord is doing and rejoice in it, whether it's Jesus' prophesied return or a new move of the Holy Spirit. Preparation is very important. We don't want to be like the five foolish virgins that Jesus told the parable about. And I'll just read that, what he said. At the time, at that time, The kingdom of heaven will be like the ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took the lamps but did not take any oil with them. 
The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with the lamps. The bridegroom was a long time coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready ready, went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. And his last statement was, therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Two things in this passage, apart from the obvious, that the the, um, foolish virgins weren't ready, is the bridegroom was a long time coming. And the other one, we do not know the day or the hour, interestingly, is another name for the Feast of Trumpets. Getting back to Nehemiah, he was part of a third return to Jerusalem, and this is a bit of a background. Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians in 586 BC, and the Jews were either destroyed, taken captive, or scattered. By decree of Cyrus, king of Persia, and led by Zerubbabel, the Jews returned to start rebuilding the temple, which was completed in 516 BC. Artaxerxes becomes king of Persia and sends Ezra, who is a priest and teacher of the law, in 458. Nehemiah followed him and a few years later with instructions to rebuild the city walls, which were completed in 445 BC. All these things happened over a period of 92 years. It took 21 to complete the temple and 71 more years before the walls were completed. The reason I mention this is that God had a plan, but it can take a lifetime. We so often want to rush him. I know I do. It's important that we we are open to the Lord's promptings and our spiritual ears open as much as we can. Also, some of us may have waited a long time for our visions to be fulfilled, but God completes what he promises. Just an aside here, um, when I was first a Christian, I was praying to the Lord and asking, Lord, I want to serve you. What can I do? What can I do? And I kept on and on at him about it. And he showed me something, which shocked me. Uh, And uh, this was like... 37 years ago and um, I lived in Grimsby with my husband and children uh, but it was about Bristol and it was about worship and prayer in Bristol and I thought (laughs) I can't see how that will work out but over time and God's plan he does what he says he's going to do so I just encourage you that if you have things burning in your heart and visions that have been there for a long time. God completes what he promises. Just be willing to listen and hear when the Lord wants you to step out. Near 
Nehemiah heard from his brother Hanani Han and I about what was going on in Jerusalem and heard that the province was in trouble and its gates were burned and the walls broken down. He was so disturbed by this that he mourned and fasted and prayed for several days. It took four months for his prayers to be answered. The Lord opened a way through Artaxerxes to be given permission to go and make repairs to the gates and walls. Before he spoke to the king, he'd committed his conversation to the Lord, and the Lord answered his prayers. This was a man of prayer. He went to Jerusalem and after three days surveyed the city. He told no one what he was doing. Then he spoke to the Jews, the priests, the nobles and officials and told them that the king had sent him to do the repairs as God's hand was upon him. So they started to rebuild at Nehemiah's instructions. There were three who opposed the work who were not Jews and Nehemiah uh, had excluded them from the work. They had mocked and ridiculed the Jews and became an opposing force, stirring up trouble against the people. The work started and the gates and towers were repaired. This is another part of the story, but I want to move into Nehemiah 4. I would read it, but it's still quite a long chapter, so if you want to read it for yourself. Nehemiah was a man who committed his way to the Lord, and the Lord made straight his path. Great scripture, that is, and one of my favorites. In Nehemiah 4, we see that there was still opposition. There was anger at the Jews. There was ridicule. There were, they were called feeble. How can they restore the walls? They are broken and burned. Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life? Again, Nehemiah prays. He lays their insults before God. Um, I had a co- conversation about whether this was the, the, co- the conversation that Nehemiah had was like uh, to, to the Lord was like these men should be made to um, suffer what we've suffered and uh, my question if you read that passage is, is this justice or revenge they rebuilt the wall to half its height because the people with all the, worked with all their hearts. Again, they rebuilt the wall to half its height because the people worked with all their hearts. I pause here in the story to give some context to the present day. I ask the question, what is God rebuilding today? Do we experience opposition, ridicule, and discouraging remarks? I would suggest that opposition to a move of the Holy Spirit and what God is doing is to be expected. Jesus said in Luke 6, verse 26, Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how the ancestors treated the false prophets. He also said in Matthew 5, verses 11 and 12, Blessed are you, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. If we don't see opposition, are we irrelevant? Or no threat to the enemy? 
It gets, it gets worse in the story for Jerusalem, as those who oppose the work plan on getting together and attacking those working and stirring up trouble. The Jews were discouraged at this. Their strength was given out. They were afraid. They heard rumors and were anxious. Then they prayed and posted a guard. The guards are the watchmen who are watching day and night. Nehemiah posted them against the threat. Watch, have, we, have we watchmen this day? Um, often people that are out there and they're watching what's going on and praying. The, uh, these are the watchmen. We're all called to be watchmen. Are we alert to what is coming against us or seeking to dis- or, or seek what is seeking to dissuade or discourage us from what God has planned for us? In Mark 13, verse 35 to 37, Jesus says, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or in, at midnight, or when the rooster crows or the dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let, let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. That's what Jesus said, not me. (laughs) Nehemiah had a strategy. He stationed people at the lowest points of the walls at exposed places. Where are our exposed places? I'm not giving you any answers there because I don't know myself. He posted by families. We, the church here, are a family. We fight for each other. Uh, They were armed for battle. Prayer and worship are our weapons. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He, He encouraged them. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. In 1 John 4, it says, He that is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The opposition was defeated because their plan was exposed. So, I find that really interesting. If you can see what the enemy is up to, then you know how to defeat him. And the Jews were ready. And from that day forward, half the men did the work with the sword at their side. Half were equipped for battle. Those carrying materials, one hand, they carried it one-handed, and the other, they had a weapon. This is a picture of equal work and prayer with all ready to pray and wield the word of God. The The man who sounded the trumpet stayed with Nehemiah and when the trumpet was sounded all would join together to defend against opposition our God will fight for us that's what it says in chapter 4 a promise to those who love and serve him just as he loves and helps us I just want to go back to something that in uh, that the Jews enemies were saying when they ridiculed them How can they restore the walls? They are broken and burnt. Can they bring the stones back to life? 
I just want to bring a couple of scriptures to you that bring the story of the walls into present day. We hear a lot about walls today, about division. Walls between the US and Mexico, for example. The walls I believe we are looking at here are different. In 1 Peter 4-6, As you come to him, Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. In Matthew 21, Jesus was talking about the priests and the Pharise- to the priests and the Pharisees just before he talks to them. He um, speaks a parable. Um, he told the parable of the tenants. This talk is about the harvest. That's what the story is about. God sends his messengers because he wants the harvest. And they've... Um, beaten up and they've stoned people and when his son goes he's killed so that these people can take uh, the harvest for themselves and not give the landlord his due Jesus then talks about him being the cornerstone so the harvest and the cornerstone are linked together I would like to suggest that we are living stones in Zion We are each a temple of the Holy Spirit. In this picture of the rebuilding of the walls, translated to this day, it is the rebuilding of the church, the bride of Christ. The broken walls are those who have been thrown down and burnt and need tender, loving restoration. We need to be united in purpose, of one heart, work together, protect each other, fight for our families. But just as Nehemiah was totally committed to God first and his call into the walls second, by prayer, worship and unity, loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, we can see the body of Christ restored. What is exciting is that Zion is a living, breathing and moving church, not unlike the first tabernacle that wandered in the wilderness that was led by God's presence. We are not just here to protect our part of the wall as our church family, but as the trumpet sounds, go to the defense of our brothers and sisters. We work to see God's kingdom come here in Bristol, in Britain and in the world. What is also amazing about the rebuilding of the walls, it was completed in 52 days. This is because of the strategy of Nehemiah, but more the unity and wholeheartedness of the people. And of course, because everybody had God's heart. Finally, I'd like to point you to something that's going on in the city. Um, Next weekend, from Friday at 7.30 to 9.30 on Saturday... There's a, a prayer and worship gathering at Hope Chapel. There is a, there's a timetable. It was on the um, resound notes. 
there's a timetable of what's going on over that period. You don't have to be there all the time because actually there'll be people praying through the night. One of the themes is that over the last year there's been 10 student suicides. So there's going to be quite a lot of prayer for students in the city. But it's prayer, worship and prophecy. And for those who've got a burden and a heart for that sort of thing, um, you can go in at any time of the day and be a part of it. This gathering has come out of a unity of prayer across the city. Also being discussed is an initiative called One Church, One Day which is aimed at 24-7, 365 prayer with churches across the city taking up and committing to a day of prayer a month. I just leave this with you to think about. It will be be launched in the new year.